0: Good to be in your midst once again. The scripture reading for this afternoon is Exodus 3, 1 to 14, and I picked this little passage because our text has a confession that our help is in the name of the Lord. So I need Exodus 3 to kind of let you know what the name Lord means. So, Exodus 3. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father in law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of Gaunt. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning. Yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. The little letter beside it. it can also be, I will be who I will be. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Our text is Psalm 121. Maybe the children can count how many times the word Lord occurs in the psalm. Lord, with all capital letters. And then count how many times the word keep occurs. Keeper or keep. You can tell me after the service. So keep and Lord. A song of ascents, I lift up my eyes to the Lord or to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of God. I believe the theme is uh, on the screen. Because our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth, we can trust that he will guide and protect us on our journey to the new heaven and the new earth. Life is a journey. I've mentioned that to you before. But it's always good to be reminded of the fact that life is a journey, which means that this world is not our home. We are on our way to a heavenly homeland, which will one day descend from heaven and replace this old and dilapidated earth. Now, on this journey, we are exposed to all sorts of dangers, spiritual dangers. The younger ones may remember that when the catechism explains the sixth petition, lead us not into temptation, that you have in the answer that our three sworn enemies never cease to attack us. You Remember what those three enemies are? The devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. They They never cease to attack us on our journey every day again. It's a big danger. But there's also physical dangers and physical difficulties. And the atmospheric rivers that have soaked southern British Columbia for almost two weeks are a clear manifestation of that fact as well as the devastation and the hardship and the grief that these rivers, these rains that keep coming, have caused for so many people. Now, on our journey, which is fraught with different kind of dangers, we need to know who our God is and whether we can trust this God And this is not only important for you as a congregation and for me. This is also important for all those people outside of the church who also may have questions about God, especially when they consider God. Who is this God? And if He exists, can I trust Him? And as Pastor Phil just said in his prayer, The congregation is a display, people. You display your faith and your trust in God. And it may just please the Holy Spirit to use your manifestation, your displaying of your faith in God and your knowing of who God is to work faith and repentance in the hearts of those around you it's important for us, it's also important for those around us. The psalmist is also on a journey, he's literally on a journey. Three times a year the Israelites would often go to some of the main festivals in Jerusalem, so obviously the psalmist has been on his way to one of these festivals but he's also figuratively on a journey. Jerusalem symbolizes his heavenly homeland. If the author to the Hebrew says that Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God, can we not say that there are more saints in the old testament also the psalmist and the pilgrims who travel to jerusalem for these festivals would look beyond physical jerusalem and say we're also spiritually on a journey to the new heaven and a new earth and on this journey the psalmist was also exposed to all sorts of dangers, especially when he traveled through the mountains. You'd have these narrow trails. You could easily trip. You could fall off. There might be a steep ravine right beside the narrow trail. You had the sun by day, 40-degree weather perhaps, who knows, and you had the cold at night. You had the wild animals lurking in the bushes just around the corner maybe. And you even had robbers. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? This man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And who ambushed the man? Some robbers, right? And they left him there beside the road half dead. Now of that could happen. It was a real thing. Jesus always speaks real parables, right? Then that could happen to a pilgrim traveling to Jerusalem as well. And on his way back from Jerusalem, he would be exposed to the same dangers. And so it is so important for this pilgrim and all those who travel with him to Jerusalem to know Who is God is, and whether he could trust his God. There's a bit of debate in the commentaries on whether the psalmist is in Jerusalem or whether he's traveling to Jerusalem. Uh, I'm going to pick this afternoon that he is in Jerusalem and he's on his way. He's going to go on his way back to his. Place where he came from. And I base that, first of all, on the fact that you have a difference in pronouns. The verses 1 and 2, he's, it's the I pronoun, I this and I that. But then the verses 3 to 8, it's he, he this and he that. Now, this could, of course, be his friends or so who are encouraging him as he travels to Jerusalem. But I think it's more likely, as we'll see later on in the sermon, I think it's more likely a priest. A priest who is blessing this pilgrim as he has worshipped in Jerusalem and he's about to go home. And as he's about to go home, he, he lifts up his eyes to the hills. And I just said the hills were dangerous. Narrow paths, steep cliffs, robbers, and animals. He lifts up his eyes to the hills and he asks, Where does my help come from? And then he answers his own question. He says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's just been in the temple. He's just worshipped the Lord, his God. And he's thinking about all these potential dangers. And he asks, where does my help come from? He knows where his help comes from because he's just worshipped. That's like you. You worship this afternoon. You may have all sorts of problems in your life and there's problems outside, it's raining and it's raining and it's raining and you have friends who are suffering deeply because of the rain. But you just worshipped and you, you leave this gym. And as you leave, reality begins to sink in and you think of your problems for today maybe, or problems or difficulties that lie ahead. And you ask yourself, how am I going to deal with all of this? Where's my help come from? And you say, of course, I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You've just sung about this God. You just prayed to this God. You heard a message about this God. And you've been strengthened in your faith in this God. And so you answer your own question." Like another psalmist says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? And he speaks to his own soul. Hope in God, right? That's what you do. You speak to your own soul and you answer your own question. And he calls God the Lord with all capital letters. It's a reminder of what we read together in Exodus 3 where God appears to Moses at the burning bush. And he says to Moses, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this God is going to take Israel on a journey, bring them out of the land of Egypt into the land of Canaan, As the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 400 years before that. Think about that. We're in 2020. So 400 years ago is 1620. That's a long time. 400 years ago, God had made a covenant with Abraham. And Abraham was worried about you know, who's going to be the heir? And, oh, Eliezer is going to be my heir. And you know, God says, oh, no, no, it's not going to be Eliezer. You know, your descendants are going to be like the stars, eh? the multitude of the stars. He takes them outside and he sees all that. And then the text shifts a little bit and says, now, I'm going to give this land of Canaan to your descendants. And I'm going to make a covenant with you to confirm that I'm going to do that. So, Abram takes these animals and he cuts them in half, and all these, it's a very gory sight. All these animals' halves are just kind of facing each other like this, and there's like a street of blood, you know, and usually both parties, when they make a covenant, they they walk through this street of blood, and may what happened to these animals happen to me, right, if I don't keep my covenant commitment. But only God, only God walks through this street of blood. In the form of a smoking pot while Abram is sleeping. And God walks through, and he had said to Abraham, I'm gonna give your descendants this land. 400 years before he appeared to Moses in Exodus 3. And at that time, he had also said to Abram, But your people, your descendants, are going to be in Egypt for 400 years. And after that, I'll bring them back out of that land into this land. So now we move forward to Exodus 3 and God picks up on this. He says, I'm the God of your father Abraham and now I'm going to take you on this journey because the 400 years are over. I'm going to bring you Israel into the land of Canaan as I promised. Now if you were an Israelite you'd like to know who this God is. You've been in Egypt for 400 years, at least your descendants, and you're there now too. You probably have forgotten, you don't even know who this God is. Who is this God? Can I trust this God? And God says to Moses, this is who I am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. It's not some timelessness about God, you know. No beginning, no end. I am who I am. No, it is, I will be with you. I am with you. As the God who sees the affliction of my people. Four verbs. Important to remember. The God who sees the affliction of the Israelites. You think this is bad. You think this flooding is bad. And it is bad. But it's nothing. It's nothing compared to the affliction of the Israelites in Egypt. The whip would come down like that. Work harder. Work harder. Get your own straw. Make your bricks on time. The baby boys are thrown into the River Nile. Talk about affliction. God says, this is who I am. I'm a God who sees the affliction of my people. I hear their cries. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the people crying in their homes? I know their suffering. I'm intimately acquainted with their suffering. And I remember. And I remember my commitment. 400 years ago, I made that commitment to Abraham. When I made a covenant with him, I remember. That means I'm going to act upon it. God doesn't forget. When the Bible speaks about God remembering, it's God acting upon something he's promised to do. Think of the rainbow. Yeah, all of this flooding out here. Think of the rainbow. In Genesis 9, God says, yeah, we often think that when we see the rainbow, we remember God's faithfulness. and that's true. But the text actually says, not when God sees the I will remember." He doesn't forget. "I will remember. I will act upon my commitment never to destroy the world with the waters of a flood again. I remember. You read, God remembered Rachel. Didn't have any babies. Leah was getting all the babies. And God remembered Rachel. He acted upon his commitment to Rachel. God remembered Hannah. Hannah didn't have any babies either. Peninnah had all the babies. Peninnah was bullying Hannah all the time. And God. Hannah, he acted. He acted upon his commitment to Hannah. That's the kind of God Moses is supposed to say to the Israelites that they have. I am who I am. That's how I am. Seeing, hearing, knowing, and acting upon my commitment. And I will be like that. You can trust me. Now there's also a second part to the meaning of Lord, and I went through that with you a month ago when I was here, when Moses wanted to see the glory of God, the excellence of his perfect life. And God said, this is my glory. And he proclaimed his name to Moses, the Lord the Lord, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sins. We'll leave the second part off for now. because I went through that with you a month ago. This is the priority here. And You know, Moses can say to the Israelites, this is who your God is. He's a God who has his face turned toward you in mercy, in grace, in love, and in faithfulness. That's the God who's going to travel with you on your journey. You can trust him. So now we get back into Psalm 121 and the psalmist says my help is in the name of the lord and you know you got to be biblically literate right you have to if you're biblically literate and that's part of being church is that we become biblically literate like, like this this is our story right this is the narrative of our life this was also the narrative, well, the Old Testament anyway, the, of, the, of the psalmist's life. When he says, my, my help is in the name of the Lord. All of this, you have to hear all of this when he says that. And he, he's afraid about the dangers when he's traveling home. And he, he speaks to his soul, he's been in church, and he says, I, I, I don't need to be afraid. My help comes from the God who sees me. He sees the animals, but he sees me too. And he hears me. And he knows me. And he's committed to me. Of course. Of course I can trust this God. All the more. All the more because this Lord, this God, is the maker of heaven and earth. Now, Hebrew says, faith, faith is the substance or the foundation of our hope and the evidence of things either not seen or not yet seen. And you have no rational proof that God is the Creator. You have no scientific proof that God is the Creator. And the pilgrim didn't have that either. And so what he's saying here is a wonderful testimony of faith, which is the substance of his hope and the evidence of things not seen. Of course, I don't have to worry. My God, because he's the maker of heaven and earth, he's bigger than the mountains. He's bigger than the ravines. He's the ruler of the animals. and The ruler of the robbers. Of course, of course I can trust this God as I travel my journey. And then the pronouns uh, switch. they become he. So there's another voice. By the way, how many times was Lord in the psalm? Five times. And if the word Lord is in there five times, you think that's important? That's very important because it's a short psalm, right? Five times in eight verses. So he made that confession. And now this priest, I think it's a priest, he blesses the pilgrim because he talks about God being the keeper. That's what I do too at the close of the service the Lord bless you and keep you, right? And how many times someone else, how many times was the word keeper in there? Yes. Six times. And you think that's important? Very important. So now we're going to talk about the keeper. When you hear the word keeper, think of shepherd, okay? Think of shepherd. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shepherd. And then when you think of keeper-shepherd, think of two things. Think first of all of guidance and secondly, think of protection. So well, first of all, the Lord is my keeper. He will guide me. Where have you heard that before? The Lord will guide me. An echo of Psalm 23. He will lead me, right, guide. He will lead me beside quiet waters he will lead me in paths of righteousness that is the right paths as i go through these narrow paths with these steep ravines the lord as my shepherd keeper he will guide my steps and he'll do that during the day as well as during the night because he doesn't slumber or sleep. Baal slumbers. The gods of the nations, they slumber. Remember Elijah mocking the Baal priests? Yeah, and the priests are doing their rituals and nothing is happening. Oh, goes Elijah. Maybe he's sleeping. And actually, it says in there too, maybe he's gone to the bathroom. I don't want to be disrespectful, but it actually says that. Maybe he's gone to the bathroom. He's not not listening to you. And God is not like that. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's always leading or guiding you. And he's leading and guiding Israel. His special people. His display people. His kingdom of priests. His holy nation. And you need to hear that when I lift my hands at the close of the service and I say, the Lord bless you and keep you. You need to hear that that is for the whole congregation. May the Lord lead and guide this local congregation. And then then the priest says, he's also going to keep you. Singular individual that means that you don't get absorbed in the big mass of people and you need to hear that when i raise my hands at the close of the service and i say the lord bless you and keep you and johnny is sitting in the church and susie is sitting in the church and they may wonder does god see me does god hear me Is God going to personally lead me, little Michael, little Johnny? And you you hear the minister putting the blessing on you. And you need to hear that this is not just for the church as a whole. This is for each member. No matter how old or how young you are, the Lord will bless you and keep and guide you. He'll also protect you. The sun will not smite you by day. Forty degrees. 41. 42, who knows? What happens to your to your body when your temperature goes above 40, your your body temperature? I have a feeling that you're gonna get dizzy. You'll probably feel nauseous. You may vomit. You get a sunstroke. And you die. And the priest says, the sun will not strike you by day. The Lord will be your shade at your right hand. I tell you, when I go to the beach, I want shade. Because I got white skin. I don't tan easy, and so I like to have shade. But if you're in a hot temperature, you'd like to have shade too. And the priest says, the Lord, remember, the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of the sun, the maker of the shade, he will be your shade. He'll protect you from harm. He'll revitalize your energy. And he's your shade at your right hand. I understand it's a military term, so the the metaphors, they kind of merge. And If I'm a soldier in those days, I would have a shield in my left arm. And even though I had a sword or something else in my right arm, this whole right side is actually unprotected. And if that is the case, and I think it may be the case, the priest is saying... The Lord's going to give you all around shade. You'll always be protected. Not only protect you from the heat. Also from the cold. Also from the moon. The moon will not strike you by night. Anybody afraid of the moon? How in the world can the moon strike you? Well, the Bible is contextual. Contextual. It speaks about the four corners of the Earth, and we know that the, the Earth doesn't have four corners. And, and we know what the Bible means when it says that. it doesn't have four corners. Now it talks about the Moon not striking you, and you say, "Well, what in the world does that mean?" Well, people in those days believed that when the Moon changes all the time, that people could get sick, they could get a fever. And they would attribute that to the changing of the moon. You were stricken by the moon. And the worst case scenario was that you would have temporary insanity. You were moonstruck if you were temporary insane. And even the Latin word for moon is luna. What's another word that is related to luna? It's lunatic, right? And that's how people thought in those days. But the point is, you have protection from God. Whether it is the sun or the moon, by day or by night, the Lord will protect you. And He will protect you from all evil, all harm. But there is evil, there is harm it means that the Lord will protect you in the evil, in the harm. Even though I go through a valley of deep darkness, which can become a valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The Lord will protect you. From all evil. And not just on pilgrimages. Every day of his life. You're going out. You have this, this wall metaphor of the gate of the city. You're going out of the city. And you're coming in of the city. Going out, coming in. He's, he's going he's gonna to protect you. Your whole life. Even into eternity. From now on and forevermore. It's the first Sunday of Advent. Did you talk about that this morning? It is. It's the first Sunday of Advent. doesn't really matter. First Sunday of Advent. It's a time when we intentionally remember that the God of Psalm 121 became human took on flesh and blood in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see just how much God saw our affliction and sees our affliction. How much he hears our cries how well acquainted he is with our suffering and how he remembers his commitment to us. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we see just how gracious God is towards us, how merciful, how loving, and how how faithful In the Lord Jesus Christ, we see how how God guides us, how God protects us. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we see who our God is, and how well we can trust Him, and how we have the assurance that we need not fear. Life, brothers and sisters, is a journey to the new heaven and the new earth. All sorts of dangers, all sorts of difficulties, spiritual, haven't really talked about those, physical difficulties and dangers. Let me ask you, where might you be doubting that God sees your affliction, that he hears your cries, that he knows about your suffering? Nobody may know about it. There's a lot of hidden suffering. But God knows it all. But you might be doubting that he knows it. You might also be doubting his commitment to you and your loved ones. Where might you have questions about whether God's face is turned toward you in grace and in mercy? in love and in faithfulness. Where might you, when I say you, it's me too, where might you need the guidance of the Lord right now and the protection of the Lord and the assurance that you have nothing to fear? May I encourage you to read Psalm 121 a lot on your journey? Maybe to sing this psalm a lot on your journey. Also during this season of advent, it's good for you. It's good for your spiritual formation. And it's good for those outside of the church to whom we are called to bear witness to as a display people of God. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that when we look and listen to him, we can rest assured just how much you see our affliction, hear our cries, know our suffering, and act on your commitment to us. Thank you that when we look and listen to him, we can see and hear your mercy and grace, your love and your faithfulness. And thank you, Father, that when we look and listen to the Lord Jesus, we see and hear your guidance and protection. Truly, when we look and listen to the Lord Jesus Christ, we can rest assured that you will guide and protect us on our journey to the new heaven and the new earth. Graciously encourage those who may be doubting all of this and more, who have questions about who you are and what you do those who need guidance and protection right at this moment. And the assurance that there is absolutely no reason for them to fear. Grant us a blessed season of Advent as we intentionally remember that you, the Lord, took on flesh and blood in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that in doing so, you graciously and mercifully acted on your commitment to your world and your people in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.